you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The Around the NFL podcast is legal in the continental United States, but not Hawaii. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Christopher Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Good afternoon. All right. Welcome to another show. I'm a little worried about this show. Sessler hasn't... Eating a thing except for what are those cheese puffs all baked, day? Baked Cheetos. They are hideous. <laughs> baked Cheetos. Hey, if <laughs> hey, if your Cheetos weren't unhealthy enough, let's bake them. Or wait, that's supposed to be more healthy? They're now was, healthy. It's allegedly uh, more healthy. They're now as right. healthy as an apple. Forgotten in the in the exercises taste. <laughs> I grabbed these off a rack in the break room and I'm regretting every moment. It's of like it. eating a cheese uh rice cake. I don't even like cheese. Alright. Uh all right, I don't like so cheese. It doesn't like a lot of things. <laughs> what, like throwing, is, what is your line, uh, Greg, that you have about Mark? I like throwing cheese on sawdust, though. He's yeah. a fooditarian. Like. Mark's a fooditarian. He doesn't like bread. That's not true. You like bread. And bread. Wes, Wes basking in the glow before we came on, he he found out that they just built a cornhole deck at Huckapoo's. <laughs> Clearly the most uh, you know, obvious bid, and really desperate bid yet, by the people of uh, Tybee Island to woo West back east. <laughs> it's, uh, that's a veteran move on their end. And where Spencer. Cornhole was, they turned into a stage for bands. They have a lot of live music there. So I'm liking this new setup. I bet you, bet you are. Yeah. They're basically going to just put, like, uh, Chris Wessling presents Huckapoos <laughs> above their signage eventually. They're pulling out all the stops. I think they're making big money now, whereas, you know, we – the, the place burned down in a fire when I first moved there, and everybody helped rebuild it. Mm. So we all felt a sense of ownership, and now they're really starting. The, the actual owner is starting to make some money. Good. Area man leaves NFL reporting gig for parlor game. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, Greg, you are fresh off a, mo- a Mountain Goats concert. Wow. I, you know, yeah, <laughs> that was, checking in. was exciting. I, I don't know. I don't think that's going to really resonate with a lot of our listeners. But, uh, yeah, the wife and I had a nice time. Earned you some indie cred. We were out late, you know. We're used to going to sleep early. I I went to yet another U2 concert last night. I'm Your third kind of week. embarrassed about it now. Wow! And uh, I was right next to uh, Pierce Brosnan, 007. Hmm. The faded 007 action. <laughs> what do you mean, right next Remington to Steel? Like you guys were chatting? We weren't talking, but you know, we were both watching. Is he Bono the type of guy that in person looks like 15 years older than he does on television? He looked good. He looked handsome as hell. I always, when I hear the name Pierce Brosnan, I this I'm, I must be the only person that does this, but I think of Bronson Pinchot. <laughs> Very that? different. I I, get, I I can get that. I can yeah. do that. Um, all right, so big show today. Uh, we have some things to get to, like we we teased on Tuesday's show. We one of our favorite things this time of year is really to take a look at um, what we call off-season tropes of uh, the coverage of the NFL, and this might seem like maybe we're attacking the establishment that we cover and perhaps we are but we're also 
you know, poking a little fun of ourselves because this is what we do for a living. And the same kind of storyline seem to recycle every spring and summer. So we're going to go through some of those and, and kind of tag it up with some active storylines that are happening right now. So the off-season tropes uh, we will explore. Also, uh, we will check back in with the mailbag. Uh, we did it last week, and we always like to, you know, get get in communication with our listeners here in the United States of America and abroad, all around the world, Mark. <laughs> why are you look? Why are you looking at me? I agree with you. The whole world. I thought you know you said you spent a portion of your childhood in uh, Siri. I did in London, yeah. outside of London. So maybe I, th- well, I thought that would connect with you. That's why I was looking at you. <laughs> I don't know. It's something weird is happening in the studio right now. Let's just <laughs> continue on into the first segment of the show. So, yes, let's do that. And uh, there is, uh, before we get into those things, we will check behind the glass. He's a man you can already tell the confidence is building as he gets more comfortable in his role as the new number two behind TD, who's in Nigeria uh, for a wedding. He is Sully. What's going on, fellas? Sully. Hey, yo. Hey, yo, Sully. I have, I, I have to admit I failed you guys. Uh-oh. Again? What happened? You gave Don't me admit a task that. to find a trope song, and I didn't. Oh, Sully. Oh, yeah, that's right. Are you already yeah. slacking off? Yep. We had a um, – <laughs> At least you're <laughs> – at least you're yep. upfront about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. You yeah. only had one job to do. What did you do all no. of yesterday? Uh, well, I BA'd a show. Uh, what does that even mean? Graphics. Now you're BSing what with show? us. Grew what a mustache. I was, it was a pilot. It was a pilot for uh, for one of our producers that might come out. I won't, I won't give any won't give anything away, but it was hmm. it was good. We had a uh, shadowy league figure uh, conference meeting earlier this morning where we went over how to properly file our. TPS reports, also known as our employee reviews, and how to you know put the wording accurately and all those things. I would say this is something that will have to come up, Greg, if you were to be reviewing Sully in a second show, not to come up with a trope song. It would probably have to come up, and maybe he would lose a star. Well, I don't need a formal goal process. I am reviewing him right now. <laughs> you know, oh. you're talking about some pilot. We've got a show that's on the air. It's doing great. How about that's the it's been a, it's it's been a busy <laughs> couple of days, guys. I All you. right, you I did what? admit it. I did it. Hey, do I get some points back? I did go see you two last Wednesday. You did, yeah, it was great. All right, with me you do, but that's yeah, it. I, that's yeah. that's what it counts. No His defiance, you. though, is much less abrasive than TD's. <laughs> southern charm. <laughs> that's true. That's true. All right, let's uh, let's do some news. All right, let's start in Philadelphia, where the Eagles, of course, have a brand new backfield. Um, LaShawn McCoy, he's yapping away up in Orchard Park, and that leaves DeMarco Murray and Ryan Matthews in the backfield. And you would think that DeMarco Murray, the reigning offensive player of the year, will be their bell cow guy with Matthews having some type of secondary role. But not true necessarily, according to Eagles offensive coordinator Pat Shermer, who revealed Wednesday uh, that the two running backs will split carries this season. Uh, here's Shermer. They're two really fine players. They're two guys that have been starters in places that they've been in, and they're going to come here and kind of share the role. I think that's terrific that that's their mindset because both men have said the right things so far. Mark, spent some time in Siri. Now you're here in America eating those cheese puffs. They're baked. You tell us. <laughs> Should we buy into this, or is this, uh, you know, a little teaser of an off-season trope? Well, it feels we hear these tropes, this type of thing, for a lot of different teams. What I kind of buy, though, here with Philly is that I think if they had initially gotten Frank Gore like they wanted to, and if they felt that Frank Gore was healthy enough to be their workhorse, they wouldn't have signed Ryan Matthews. I think with DeMarco Murray after the season he had last year, I am buying the fact that they went out and found someone else that can be leaned on and I'm not saying it's a 50-50 split, but I don't think it's an 80-20 split. So I, I buy it from where they are today. I think if they're healthy, it is an 80-20 split. I'm not buying it. They Teams speak with their money. Ryan Matthews signed a three-year, $11 million contract. That's pretty low level. DeMarco Murray is getting paid like a superstar. The only reason Ryan Matthews is on the team, in my mind, is that they felt bad after they offered him a contract and then they realized they could get Murray, and they decided not to take it back. But I, I don't know if I buy that. I, uh, see, that to me about. doesn't seem like a smart move either, though. None of that means anything once the season starts. That's fair. 
what, the contract doesn't mean anything? It doesn't. No, once the season starts, they're going to play the better player. And anyone who's seen Ryan Matthews the past two years, I don't know how you would doubt that they're that he's going to mix in. I mean, he's a really good running back. I, I love Ryan Matthews, but I disagree that contract terms and where you're drafted doesn't have a big impact on the rope that you're going to get. I think DeMarco Murray, they see as a guy who's durable that can take a lot of carries. Durable? That, that's what they see from last year, that they, they believe that he's a guy that can take a lot of carries, and but that's, they I, paid him for it. I think they signed both of these guys, and to go with Darren Sproles, the one part about this article is that they are definitely going to be a run-first team this year. That They led the NFL in rushing two years ago, and that's what they want to get back to. Everything that Ian Rapport reported was they never planned to sign both of them. The, the, the idea was to sign Matthews. But they're there now, and, they're and Ryan Matthews is a really good running back. $21 million guaranteed to uh, DeMarco Murray on that contract, including a $5 million signing bonus. And three. He's getting paid like $9 million. Well, then one, we need to back the truck up then with this Chip Kelly is a genius if he's adding players for millions of dollars because he doesn't want that person to feel bad. Because right. number one – you're not really doing a not service to Ryan Matthews if you're not letting him get a job somewhere else where he would have started if he's going to just play well, 15% of the That was exactly the what they did. They wanted to be an upstanding organization. They said, go go check out. See if you can get anything better. We had this offer for you. We're not going to pull it from you now that things have changed. He went and made it very clear he was looking elsewhere. He kind of threw the Raiders out there. Hey, can anyone top this Raiders out? No one really good came calling, and he said, well, I guess they are. Well, I just think it will see more from Matthews than – people initially thought. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if Ryan Matthews rushes for more yards than DeMarco Murray this year. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm not saying that it's likely to happen, but it wouldn't surprise me. Ryan Matthews, if we had this conversation last May or yeah. last June, you would have thought that Ryan Matthews probably rushes for more yards than DeMarco Murray. And they're both guys that have had serious injury issues in their past. So to me, yeah, maybe the Eagles did well by sticking to their word and still paying. But at the same time, it makes plenty of sense. They're similar type of runners, so maybe that's a little strange. But at the same time, you got two guys that maybe could would be better off you know, having 200 carries apiece. It wouldn't surprise me if Murray is the lead guy for five or six games. He gets dinged up. Then Matthews is the lead guy for right. two or They're three gonna games. They're going to need He both. gets dinged up, and then you're back to Murray, and they kind of flip-flop like that. All right, let's move on to Tennessee. Marcus Mariota, the number two overall pick in the draft, and a lot was made of the offense he came out of in college at Oregon where there wasn't, you know, under under center work. And, you know, I remember Mike Mayock consistently um, pounding the table, talking about how that was something that was going to be an issue as in his development. Well, it sounds like the Tennessee Titans are going to go down a route where Mariota won't be under center a lot. This according to the quarterback's coach, James John McNulty, who told uh, the Tennessean, I think you're – you are in the gun a little more now anyway. The under center gives you a little more threat of the run and play action and, and to push the ball down the field type of thing. By the way things go with the pass rush, you are in the gun a big part of the time. Uh, so may, this makes sense to me, especially for if you're going to make this guy a first-year starter and put him right in the lineup, which seems to me it's, it's not a great situation for a player like this. But if that's what they're going to do, they're going to have to tailor to what he's good at to start at least, right? thought it was funny reading the article from the Tennessean where McNulty is, is talking about this and he's hyping up how much they're going to use the shotgun. And he says, ah, maybe a little bit over 50% of the time. They used the shotgun 65% of the time last year, which was one of the <laughs> highest rates in the league. There's no way they're going down in usage. Uh, I, had, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago that they studied not only Oregon's offense, but Miami uh, Dolphins, Philadelphia Eagles, and a little bit of the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the Bengals use a lot of the concepts that Andy Dalton used at TCU in a spread attack. So, to me, they're going spread, and it reminds me a little bit of what the Redskins had RG3's rookie year, where they kind of didn't let on to the rest of the league what their plans were. And I think that McNulty might be downplaying a little bit just how much they're going to use the shotgun. I think they're going to use it pretty much as their base offense. Do you trust Ken Wisenhunt? of the generally compared to the rest of the other head coaches in the league to take a guy like Mariota out of Oregon and build an offense around it. He's been wedded to the same type of offense for so long. I just wonder, they have to do it, so he's going to have to try. I feel like that's a, a narrative that we've kind of swallowed whole, that Wisenhunt isn't creative and he can't mm -hmm. develop young guys. And Well, I, has he? He can't develop Max Hall and John Skelton. 
Well, all right. I mean, but I, mean, but I don't know. That, I don't. I don't mean. I don't know if that means he can't develop Marcus Mariota. That's fair. I mean, I just think there's not a lot of proof that he, he's the guy you want doing that. I would say that Wizard Hunt is in one of the toughest positions of any coach entering entering the season. He's already he's been there two years now, correct? Or has it been one? No, that was well, one. This was his first year, season. so he can't come. It feels up, like ten. Feels like ten years, but it's <laughs> a really bad first season. Uh, with an uh, ownership that's going to want to see some results in year two. But if you have a young quarterback that's making a ton of mistakes, you could be in trouble. You could put Lovey Smith in a similar category. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. This, this whole storyline really doesn't make sense anymore in the NFL because of the increased use of shotgun. It's not just that the 65% is a crazy number. I was just looking it up. The league was at 58% last year of shotgun snaps. I mean, that's what it is. It's not going behind center anymore. As recently as 2005, teams had never gone above 15%, or the league had never gone above 15%, and now they're just – every team does it. So it's turning into college. That's what it should do. If you had read my Ohio River offense, that would would be in there. Well, I I wanted to go find that stat. I knew it was Uh, somewhere, but it's, you know, 4,000 words. It's tough. You didn't know. Did you not read it? Of course I did. I think it's a great job. I wasn't here when it came out. Everyone should read it. (laughs) In 2004, I believe, teams were only using shotgun 15% of their snaps. So it's gone up. 26 out of 32 teams last year ran shotgun on more than 50% of their snaps. It's crazy. And they they have to. This goes back to our quarterback conversation with giving Cam Newton the money that, okay, our quarterback's coming after him that are going to be any better. The NFL is going to have to change their offenses to fit what these quarterbacks can do. By the way, John McNulty made me think of um, James McNulty from The Wire. Jimmy. Oh, yeah, yeah. My favorite Wire character. Really? Yeah. Huh. And everybody goes with Omar. They always go straight to Omar. And great character, D'Angelo Barksdale. I like how McNulty. Bubbles calls him McNutty. <laughs> Bubbles is a great one. Do you have hey, a McNutty. favorite character, Greg? I don't think I have a favorite in particular. I think I like Stringer. Not like a, I never Stringer. looked at it like a sporting team. Really? You like Stringer? Stringer. I like Stringer. It says a lot about the man, what his favorite wire character is. I think Mark would like McNulty. I don't know if you've seen the series. Well, what does it say about me if I've never watched an episode? We should move on. I think Bunk is probably my favorite just because you're always Bunky. happy. You're oh, always yeah, happy him. To see him. I agree with the boss. <laughs> Uh, moving on, let's talk about Marvin Lewis, the uh, Cincinnati Bengals head coach, who has some issues with the new PAT rule that changes the uh, uh, extra point from a 20-yarder to a what is now a 32 or 33-yarder, depending on uh, the spot. Uh, Marvin believes that that will hurt the teams in the cold-weather AFC North. I've not been for it, said Lewis, according to the Cincinnati Inquirer. Nothing was wrong with what we had in this division, it makes a di- big difference, a huge difference. It's a disadvantage of our division for our division because we are playing in it all the time. Come on, Mark. Well, no, there is a stat in the in the piece where road kickers, teams that come into AFC North stadiums from that extra point distance, are hitting kicks at about 85%, which is far below, you know, the normal that teams are kidding in domes and other things. So statistically, he has a point. I mean, the bottom line is it doesn't matter. You have to adapt now. You know, Billy Cundiff lost a couple games for the Browns last year on what would have been kicks right around that extra point range. Well, Billy Cundiff is terrible. Exactly. But you've got to go out. You can't can't deprioritize that position if that's going to be an issue for you. I feel a little stupid because isn't – his Any team no that Marvin Lewis is playing, playing on that same field? In the no, same but he's positions? saying, well, yes, what's, he's I saying mean, road teams. But what's yeah. his point? It's stupid. Oh, I mean, well, what's, his what, point is what is he unhappy about? His point is that if you're one of these teams that ends up, unlike maybe the Chargers or a West Coast team, and you play the bulk of the second half of your season in crap weather, that that range is not as easy to hit as it would be in in a dome or Yeah, but weather. the other team that's, is in it. I mean, that's like, the automatic response. It's the dumbest but argument the, I've ever heard. It it's not, sense. Greg. The stat points out that the home kickers are doing fine. It's the road kickers that are getting So it whacked. helps Marvin Lewis. So then that helps yeah, but he's that. on the road half the time, too, in Pittsburgh and Cleveland and other cold-weather stadiums. I'm not saying it's a rock-solid argument, uh. but that's what he's pointing to. 
By the way, Everybody relax. some journo probably asked him the question. He had to spit something out. <laughs> right? Give me a break. Probably. No, Mark. he is. He's on the competition committee. I think he's fired up about this. He thinks it's a stupid rule. Which, Wasn't the point of the rule to make sure that it's not 100% and that maybe it is closer to 85 or 90%? Well, I like when Chip Kelly says he doesn't like the rule. And it's like, oh, yeah. Chip <laughs> doesn't like the rule. But when Marvin Lewis doesn't like it, basically his gist was, it doesn't make me want to go for two points either. Well, Marvin Lewis is an idiot. We've, we've been through this well. I just don't get his point. Yeah, I, I've, but the, I've struggled But in general, they it. tried to get people to change the game and go for two, right? Wasn't that the gist? And we called and it everyone a is measure, saying right? that no one, that nothing's changed here. We're not going to go for two more. Including Marvin Lewis. Like, his logic when you read it, what have we incentivized to go for it? These two-point plays work less than 50% of the time. It's the same sort of scaredy-cat logic that Marvin Lewis coaches with during games that he's afraid to do anything. But Chip Kelly said True. the same thing. Have some guts. Vikings special teams coordinator Mike Prefer. Prefer? Prefer. In his press conference today said that, there will be teams that lose games this season because of the extra point, which to me immediately, and he said it will make it more exciting. Number one, it won't make it more exciting. It will be, it will make it more frustrating for a football fan when you lose a goddamn game because your kicker couldn't hit a 32-yard extra point. That's why I don't like the rule. You gave the kickers more power to control the outcomes of games, and you didn't make the two-point conversion easier and incentivize that. They messed the whole thing up. This is going to be just like the overtime debate that was – Raging in 2012, I believe it was. Raging. It really was. <laughs> I, I'm, it definitely had a lot more buzz and controversy than this extra point one did. We're the only ones stoking this fire. <laughs> what else are going to talk about? By the, only, by the time the season came along, everyone's like, oh, yeah, like, it doesn't really matter at all. This Wait, might affect one Let game. it be on record that when we talked about the narratives that we're not buying, I said that the no one's going to be going for uh, two. No, Chip, the genius, agreed with me. No, I hear – my point is – it's not going to have a big impact in the game. I, I think we all agree. Well, not for your Patriots. But I think Prefer is probably right. A couple of these boneheads are going to miss kicks. They're going to cost games. Is Prefer the guy who's no longer on Chris Cluey's Christmas card list? Yes. Yes. That's right. That's right. I knew it was a familiar name. All right. They'll stay in the AFC North finally. Mark, you know, uh, I know you're a big sports fan outside the NFL. You like to all the different professional sports. NBA Finals starting Thursday. And uh, on the Browns website, they have a story up. Browns, this is the headline, Browns feeding off Cavs energy in their corner as NBA finals begin. Is that right? Is that well, how that I works? I pointed it out to Dan because it's got, it had a ridiculous image of Joe Thomas high-fiving someone about the Cavs, but then you realize he's high-fiving someone in a batter's helmet from a baseball game. So yeah, like the editor, it's just a, I don't know. The editor was like, give me any picture of, of Thomas celebrating outside the uh, locker room. He's like, but he's high-fiving a guy at a baseball game. It doesn't matter. Well, it's a city that hasn't won a championship in what fifty-one years. They said, "Could you possibly cut them a break?" It's been the most amount of seasons <laughs> for any city aggregate if you add up the different sports. It was one hundred ninety-three seasons, but there is one city that's been in a longer title drought by one year. Can you guys guess that from our research? Department? Belize, San in Diego, Minnesota, yes. Minneapolis. And yet Dan Hansis thinks the Chargers fans have it good. They're in San Diego. I never said They've that. They've experienced a lot of pain. I have never Chargers said that. Fans. You know I love the Chargers, and if we had the sound drop, I'd sing the song right now, but I don't know if we do. <laughs> do we have a, a piano San Diego sound drop? Super Chargers? Yeah. You are pushing hard on the on Sean there. Yeah. There is – Actual smoke coming out of some <laughs> and, and the listeners, I get a lot of tweets about this. If you have it, it'll be huge. And if you don't have it, geez, this is a tough spot. Why, why didn't you send me an uh, email? Sometimes these things happen <laughs> naturally. It's crumbling. These things yeah, happen because I me? because I'm going through a soundboard that I have. N- uh, I, all right, I not we'll organized. Cut, either right. we'll come back it's to it TD's or cut organization, this all part out. Yeah. crazy. Please. All right, here we go. Yeah. Anyway, like Charlie Day's handwriting. Can I? <laughs> can I ask a serious question, Mark? Before we move on to the trope talk, because in all honesty, you don't really have a lot of serious sports interests outside the Browns, professionally anyway. In well, terms I don't have of time. So okay. Yeah, no, yeah. no, I'm, this right. is not a shot. Yeah. Um, is there a part of you deep down that wants the Cavs and the Indians? to lose because you want the Browns to be that team that finally breaks the uh, slump in Cleveland? Well, that's a fair question. I think 15 years ago, I would have said absolutely. Let it be Cleveland. I still think it's a football town no matter what you tell me. Let the Browns be the one to break the streak, but come on. For that city and those people and whoever follows all three of those teams, at this point, any one of them wins it, and I'm happy for the city. And maybe it, you know, maybe it takes a little bit of the 
the bad energy of what's going and, on out there off. You the siphon that energy so, in. An older, the an older, softer, Sessler. You've gotten sentimental Should, with age. You're kind to the children of Cleveland. Fair, Shouldn't fair. it be noted? I mean, it's not – a lot of these people aren't alive anymore, but the Browns went to 10 straight championship games at one point. Yeah, when you were like negative 30 years right, old. but it did happen. I, well, I agree, and most people don't realize yeah. – most Ravens fans that I've talked to who are 20 – don't even know that they were once the that's, Cleveland Browns. That's the so same, that's it the same thing. Add up to these guys. San Diego Superchargers. San Diego Superchargers. <laughs> Is that Bono in there? good. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I've seen Bono a lot the last week. Uh, Sounds more like the village people. I wish, I wish. <laughs> it is. Uh, yeah, is but, it the but people? yeah, no, it it it, uh, it could no. be. I have no idea who it is, but. Uh, uh, I wish Dan, Dan took uh, his, uh, definitely... his goals for the year as seriously as he <laughs> singing that song. Dan definitely uh, <laughs> taking some notes at the U2 concert. Uh, Sully, great job. Thank you. I did some digging. All right. Uh, where were we? Isn't it uh, actually on TD that he's created a soundboard grid that no one can decipher? Oh. And while we're on the topic, I, I thought of an idea for TD. I'm going to use a code word in each show that he's missing to make sure he's listening because he should be listening even though he's in Nigeria. And he'll tweet me if he's actually listening. Here's today's uh, magic word or code word. It's actually three words. Ed Begley Jr. If he tweets <laughs> that to me, I know he listened. Ed Begley Jr. Where we were was you were about to chastise an entire generation of human beings. Oh, no. For having no concern whatsoever for anything that happened before no, you were born. No, and I totally get that, Wes. And I, I know you're a big-time historian, and I, I love – the history of all sports, but I will say that, like, when someone comes to me as a Jets fan, is like, oh, you can't say anything. You won the Super Bowl in 1969. It's like, what? It, I mean, that's 45 years ago, and I wasn't even alive. So don't like say that makes my fan experience easier because it doesn't. I like that. There's this kind of pride in how much suffering there is. We've all had. I well, that's a part no, of being a for certain fan. teams, right. yeah. you that's all you have to cling on to. I never that's knew your prize. that was such a thing. I would think. Well, of course you wouldn't. Be a shame. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the Patriots used to be bad. Well, you were like twelve. This is essentially the the reason why the fan pain rankings from Dan Hansis are coming out later this yep. summer. That's what's called a tease. Maybe in about a month's time, counting yep, down true. the seven franchises that have experienced the most. I'm doing rain. a lot of research, and I'll tell you what, it's uh, any one of these teams really could probably make a case. I could make a very strong case for the Bengals. Who, you know, without, you know, spoiler alert, they probably made the list. <laughs> I don't know if they number one. It'd be a crazy list if they didn't make the top seven. I, I'm going to go as far as saying – uh, Greg, your team missed the list, but there's a good chance the three teams represented by Mark, myself, and at least Wes formerly are going to make the top seven, which maybe gives our podcast some of its underdog charm. I don't know. Mm. I think so. With, then we've you got nothing else to cling on the to. The yin to the yang, and then you have Greg on his throne of ease. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> All right. Remember that. Uh he he actually leans back in his chair while he's on the throat of Eve. <laughs> that's what that's what's happening. Ed Begley Jr. That was good times at the uh, Super Bowl. Where was that Super Bowl? Arizona. <laughs> so I barely remember. It's ugly. It is so, so early June. <laughs> so ugly. Doesn't even know where he was. All right, let's do let's go through some of these off season tropes. And again, as I said at the top of the show, these are hyper familiar storylines that will pop up every single year if you follow the NFL world. Uh, closely, um, it will be different teams and different players and different coaches uttering these uh, or getting behind these storylines, but they're always going to show up. It's just it's just the nature of the game. So let's go down the list. Some are ones that I, I wrote in a piece last year, but some are more, we came up with some today, some new ones that we've seen, and maybe we'll connect the dots and some storylines that are going on right now. Um, we'll start with... Uh, the offense has never been faster. I don't know if we've seen that one yet, mm. but it's out there usually. Uh, stop me when you want to delve into one. Player X, colon, I've never played with someone quite like Player Y. That pops up a lot. Curtis Lofton yesterday about Khalil Mack. He's a monster. There you go. Uh, Injury-prone Player X bulked up in offseason. Oh, that's the number one. No, well, that's it's bulk up or I lost weight. Or, or I've never felt healthier in my life. Everything that went wrong last season, well, we're good now. There's no way that could happen again because it's May and, and I'm healthy. Right, look out. This guy who was an absolute travesty last <laughs> autumn has gained eight pounds. 
<laughs> player X, I haven't been this healthy in years. Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, player X is better now than before serious injury. Uh, that you see a oh, lot. Yeah, that, there's a lot of that. I'm faster than I was It's like, before. dude, you blew out your knee and you're a year older. Unless you're Adrian Peterson, you're probably not better. Probably not. I hope you are. Or you are in June, but then the games start and all this melts into nonsense. Or you're going to be suspended for violating the league's <laughs> performance in Which football. happens, too. Who is the guy that showed up? Everyone. Like, his, his shoulder pads were pumped up, it was reported. Oh, uh, uh, you know, the guy in uh, Deion Jordan. Remember last year? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Deion yeah, he Jordan. looks like he took an, he looks like he took an air pump to his shoulder. That's a great. Oh, yeah, he pretty much did. <laughs> uh, Coach X, we're extremely impressed by Camp Body Y faded vet Z. So, you know, they bring in somebody. It's usually some wide receiver who hasn't been good in six years. Well, it's tricky. Or Darren McFadden. Or a, or a seventh-round pick. And everyone's like, oh, this guy, what a steal. Wow, we, we found something Actually, special here. Actually, right. this guy Cutting is August. usually Theo Riddick. Right. It, yeah. It's always it's Reggie Bush. It's because you have three newspapers writing three stories a day for all of training camp, and you got to write th- something. It's kind of like in Green Bay this offseason. Who's the most written about player? It's probably Jeff Janis. <laughs> oh, they yeah. just love, they love <laughs> Jeff Janis. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, forget about Jordy Nelson or whatever. Janis has taken over. There's also been like <laughs> – 50 stories about how Brian Bulaga staying in Green Bay has brought much calm to the line. Oh, of course. It's like, all right, well, okay, that's cool. Um, player X, unsure if he will attend minicamp. Uh, Mo Wilkinson, Wilkinson oh, yeah. is one guy that stands out this year. Uh, here's two different type of headlines that are similar. Middling Team X will shock the world, or Player X guarantees Super Bowl trip. We had one of those recently. Byron Maxwell of the Eagles guaranteed Super Bowl. Speaking of Byron Maxwell, cornerback on cornerback crime always can this count is, on. This is my fa- this is my pet peeve. Like the last three years, I've noticed, and Greg made the point. This is probably unique to this era, and it might end in five years. Well, we won't even remember it. But the obnoxious eight, uh, Patrick Peterson, Richard Sherman, Antonio Cromartie. This quarterback doesn't travel. This quarterback doesn't shut wide receivers down. This guy's not a true lock. Shut up. Just shut up. Well, the problem is, and this is probably anyone attached to media anywhere, is that these stories do better mm. on websites than your actual academic they, look into someone's offense oh, that no one reads. Why is well? Antonio Cromartie said Sherman is a product of the system. Why you know? Why? Well, that's ridiculous. Why is he so concerned about this? But how come it doesn't happen at other positions? Well, did it you, not? Was it not wide hear, receivers? You never though? hear Josh sitting. Hey, Marshall Yonda. Nope. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> You're a bum. Or you never hear you know Navarro Bowman. It's like. That Luke Keekley, he's no longer number one at inside linebacker. There's a new Bowman in town. It's with just think the cornerback. It might be a Sherman invention, though, because he was the guy that went chirping the most. This is even before they started winning Super Bowls. And I think that rubbed a lot of guys around in the league the wrong way because he does play that system that maybe a guy like Patrick Peterson or Darrell Rivas uh, uh, don't play, which is where you're kind of in a zone, you're getting safety help. But. Uh, it does happen constantly now. I do every feel six like, months or so. Wasn't there a period where you could not get a group of five or six wide receivers to stop talking and often about each other? The the heyday of Randy Moss and T.O. They, yeah, they were known as the diva position, and now it feels like it's cornerback. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you uh, you're right. They do they do well, especially on social me- social media. Nothing puts a step in our guy Goose Bryce Gustafson step like cornerback on cornerback heat. That's our social media coordinator. Also, uh, the recipient of the Commissioner's Award, best rookie, uh, of, the rookie year, of the year last year at the NFL. Yeah. Congrats, Goose. Amazing. Well, he's tailed off in year two, though, so Comes that would be more slump. Yeah, hey, by the, the way, trope the right rain's there. coming to an end in a couple of weeks. Enjoy it, pal. <laughs> uh, running backs, running back by committee stories are very popular this time of year. We just talked about one early earlier today in Philadelphia. How about Player X has mastered the fundamentals and it allows his natural talent to shine through, which is a sister of Coach X colon Player Y understands playbook now, which is always very <laughs> insulting to the player. Cordell Patterson. Yeah. That's that's him. It's a lot it it's always these articles that are written with clarity that it, that completely explain, oh, this is why things happened last year. It's kind of, it, kind of like even that Broncos writer saying, oh, it's it's good now that Kubiak's here to change the culture with, that wasn't you know too good under John. F- How come no one was writing about that at the time? No one was writing Cordell Patterson does you know 
to it at the time. I'm sure, we were. All right. That Dan was wrote one saying North that. Turner rips on Cordero Patterson's route running. Yeah, remember that. Uh, all right. How about this? <laughs> Sorry, Greg. <laughs> it's the worst point I've ever made. <laughs> no, I think Thanks you're right about the Broncos' point. I'll see you guys later. Uh, valuable skill player X wants to return punts. One of my least favorite oh, yeah. ones. It's like Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas. Uh, and someone Des else. Bryant. Yep, Des Bryant. Someone else came up this week. Uh, always volunteering to be that guy. You know, maybe you should sit that out. It's basically <laughs> a bunch of 230-pound mountain men firing themselves out of a cannon. I feel at like you. that is just like freak out your fan base. Right. Like, oh, let's put Earl Thomas as our punt return. You've got a bunch of guys that aren't starting to take these roles, or you take your third wide receiver or someone. You don't put Earl Thomas back there. It's a great sign of how popular the NFL is, minutia like that. Hey, Bryant took four punt returns at a practice where there's no tackling in August, and like that's that's going to be a big story. <laughs> right. If you knew the inside story, it might be Jason Garrett in the back of, him, back of his mind needs a guy in an emergency scenario if four other guys get assassinated. That it's never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that no one gets assassinated in Dallas. A brings grip. me to oh. Oh. Oh <laughs> I'm not. Th- Wes isn't the only historian drop, person drop, in the room. Drop the hammer! <laughs> wow. wow, moment of silence. I was gonna say that brings me to my least favorite part of last week: the whole <laughs> sky is falling because Eric Fisher took a few snaps with the second team at left tackle. Right. It, it turns out Andy Reid just wanted to get Donald Stevenson a few snaps in case something Fisher something happens to that Fisher. That feels like a shot at Greg too, because I think Greg wrote the post about. No, it we Fisher. never did. I think we decided oh, okay. not to do it because we, we got, decided it was stupid. Yeah, we we kind of found out the real story and we didn't take it and run with it like other sites did. Sean is still trying to recover from what happened uh, a few minutes ago. I shouldn't even talk about it more because we might have to have our first political. <laughs> um, Edit of the uh, podcast. <laughs> We're never getting invited to the White House now. Uh, oh, this one kind of connected with the uh, playbook. Uh, teammate X, teammate Y, more focused this year. I like focus. Like this player is more focused now. That, that's a real shot Why of what he was last focused? year. Yeah, I like to call that the Justin Gilbert Award. <laughs> yeah, he, hey, well, he's trying hard now. It'll be fine. Yeah, he's plugged in. He's he's attending meetings awake. Is part of Joe Thomas's job, by the way, in addition to cheering on the Cavs. Uh, making some type of grand statement about each of his teammates on the Browns. Seems like it. Well, you got to, again, you got to go back to the writers because it's like that's who they go to, who's a nice guy, who's going to, he's probably at this point agitated enough to say something honest. What's the only the only member of the Browns anyone really respects year after year is Joe Thomas. You want to hear from him. Uh, I mean, it's pretty much true. Speaking of your friend Gilbert, Mark, player X, I'm not a bust. <laughs> <laughs> oh, who said that? <laughs> Eric Ebron just said Eric, Oh, really? Uh, D. Milner of, said it. There's a lot of them. Well, and I'm part sure of the trope. was the best cornerback in the NFL. <laughs> well, and part of the trope with that one is I'm not usually it starts with some sort of counterattack on Twitter towards fans. Isn't that what Ebron did? Didn't he go back at people on Twitter this week? I'm not a boss. All right. If I was a professional <laughs> athlete, I would not have a Twitter account. Nothing good can come of that. No. Uh, next up, LaShawn McCoy calls people racist. <laughs> Every That's a trope? <laughs> yeah, year after year. Year after year. After I year. think LaShawn McCoy loses his mind on social media or with reporters year after year. Yeah, Remember yeah. his OCU Mignora beef? Right, which was multiple summers. So right. are we in a better place now? We're not, but that was very tedious if, in if, its own right. If you guys didn't see the clip, uh, that are that's listening of LaShawn McCoy going at the Buffalo reporters, it's it, I'm surprised Uncomfortable. It, I'm surprised it didn't go more viral or anything. Look it up on NFL.com. It was really uncomfortable, and I really wanted one Bills writer to just, like, ask one more question about Chip Kelly. Just to By the way, bully to the Buffalo writers because they should have went at him the way they did. They could have even went harder, to be honest. But also asking normal yeah, questions. And they, were, and they were dogged about it. It reminded me of Doug Marone when he first took the job. Remember when he had a really terse exchange early on? Well, and it was when Buffalo Mario reporters? Williams got hurt, and he right. went back at them saying, he doesn't have the details, leave me alone. And it was like, wait, this guy's got a little bit of an edge to about him. Western New York sports journos. That interview not backing down. Greg's referencing was like, for me, that was that was tough to watch. Kind of an epiphany on why sports writers, especially grizzled sports writers, after a few years in the business, just have no respect for professional athletes. Because LaShawn McCoy treated them like something he would have picked off the bottom of his shoe. I thought you were going to say it, it, it was a perfect example of why the Eagles traded LaShawn McCoy. You, you could tell by the way LaShawn McCoy was acting that he thought that everyone in this vicinity was so far beneath him that they weren't worthy of his time. 
all right, how about this one? Did I do player X? I'm not the bust. Yes. <laughs> we just stopped. <laughs> I'm not the bust. <laughs> like yes, a, you that, did. That's a minute ago. You can make me a bust, but I'm not the bust. Uh, Team X excited about rugby slash basketball slash fill in the blank. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> star who will, you know, probably be cut in August. Right. I would, the guy I was thinking of was Eric Swope of the Colts, but you've got uh, – Be careful think, here, Wes, with the Niners guy because we have a lot of listeners. I was going to say, I actually think this. Jared Hayne will make yeah. the 49ers roster, but the other Smart guy, the list. Olympian guy from the 49ers, what's his name? Okoye? Lawrence Okoye? Yeah, he's been on – Flojo? The practice squad. <laughs> I don't yeah. know the Olympics too well. Yeah, I, I saw an article from him like two weeks ago saying, you know, he's going to fill the void of Justin Smith. Well, how about you make the team first? Well, I think yeah. I wrote at least 12 Jeff Demps articles for NFL.com right. over star. time. Yeah, oh, Dempso? There's a lot of ex-basketball player ones. That that was really it for a couple of years for about six or seven years. Wasn't there a guy from Duke for a while? Either way. You've got Darren Fells from the Cardinals. There's a couple of guys. I didn't. I never really understood Jeff Demps's like um, career decisions, because he definitely prioritized the track end of things in the Olympics, and then he was like, "Well, I want to moonlight in a, a side career where I could have a decent chance of suffering a catastrophic knee injury." Yeah. Well, and he's showing up in like late August, after his track season's over. It's like, uh, how the much whole thing can you about. earn in track uh, in a non-Olympic year? That's fair, but you got to make a choice. You That's know. what I'm saying. I doubt you can. It's like earn the much extra point, two point conversion thing. If you want to get back on that, half measures never do anybody any good. That's how the Patriots got Legarrette Blunt. So, Greg, you that you found the whole thing to be intriguing. That's true. The first time around, and I, I'm just glad we got some closure on Jeff Demps. Oh, so Demps. We just gave him a little little run. That's true. <laughs> never again. And finally, aging quarterback X. I can play well into my 40s. Oh yeah. Drew Brees this yeah. year. Romo uh, says him and he and Witten want to play another five years. I think Tom Brady famously Tom Brady, has said yep. he wants to play into his forties. Let me uh, just a heads up. Probably not going to happen. Probably going <laughs> to get crappy <laughs> right around thirty-eight or thirty-nine. You're going to fall off a cliff. You're going to start getting hurt a lot. You're going to get shabby. Peyton Manning, thirty-nine. Yeah, very close. And you know, not to what was not Br- not to disturb the throne of ease. Tom Brady, thirty-eight. These guys, they're going to get crappy because that's how human beings work. What I don't was care what the science is. Favre was 41. He got up there. 42, maybe? I know. He was 41 in his What was his we'll good Vikings year? I think he was. That that to me he is was 40 the in very his... top ceiling to me. I would be stunned if you see 107 passer rating, 33 to 7 TD to interception ratio at age 40. And then age 41 was his fall off year. <laughs> Greg, clock's ticking, baby. They just won the Super Bowl. It was awesome. Did you see that? I didn't. I didn't think they'd win. Where did it take one. place? I'm happy. Arizona. It's hard to remember Arizona, Tampa. It's hard up. to keep track of all these Super Bowl wins. Well, not that as much. Sully, we need a throne of eavesdrop. What's going on? A lot of Patriots talk over here. By the time they, Brady retires, his son will be drafted in the seventh round. Six round and he'll go right but the on. Mo- the Moynihan and son or the uh, I don't know one of them. The best of the three will become a Patriot and take you for the next twenty years. It'll be a Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers like handoff. Arizona, great place for a Super Bowl or a fine place, but let's be honest, not it was it's not a memorable place. That's all I'm saying. No, uh, no. <laughs> nice, nice people and nice city, but still New Orleans is head and shoulders above any other Super Bowl city. Just that lost all of our Arizona listeners. Um, all right, so those are the tropes. Uh, real quick, entourage update, Greg. You're in good shape. We, uh, Greg really, you know, he didn't really hang any onion, and I still took him anyway because I wanted to further along the podcast and have some fun. So I gave him you three days, uh, not including Saturday or Sunday gate, which I'm not happy for the entourage movie to make $25 million. It's off to a relatively slow start. I think it's made $7 million. No, five five point four, but that also included Tuesday night they had. Oh, you better believe I'm taking the Tuesday night. No, I know, but that's that's fine. It's (laughs) not going to matter. The good thing is, I like you always like to move the goalposts on uh, bets after. Move your goalposts. After the fact, (laughs) say, oh yeah, well, I didn't really want this or this or that. You know. Let me let me speak. It's not going to matter. Their number is going to be low enough that no matter what the equation was, I would have won it because I think it's going to end up about twenty five for five days. So. I would I would like to now use this just one second to talk, to talk to all the bros. Hey guys, I need you to go to this movie. <laughs> Finish watching this and then go to the local local multiplex plex and watch Entourage. It's going to be a great movie. But before Saturday, 
And don't, don't you need the bros to buy the 18 sandwiches you owe this room right now. <laughs> don't I know. I'm don't bring that. your girlfriends because uh, that movie has no respect for that half of the population. <laughs> well, that was I, when you talk about moving the goalposts. I'm okay buying a sandwich here because I don't want that movie to do well. Finally, let's go to the mailbag. It's gonna it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be exciting to go through this mailbag because give me one second I'm filibustering. <laughs> Because it's a great time. All right, here we go. It's a great time. We'll start with Graham Hackney at GHackney78. Aside from QBs, which one player's absence would have the biggest negative impact on any team? One non-quarterback that would absolutely decimate a team to the point where, you know, they're a three- or four-win team or something. Hmm. Or they're a six-win team that wins one or two games. This is basically Damashek's Jenga theory. Yes. Was is his Jenga theory not include QBs? He tries to take QBs out of it. Okay. Uh, we we've, we've seen this happen a number of times. The Patriots have been, you know, a much worse team without Gronk. Uh, the Texans haven't done well without Arian Foster. Uh, I think Marshawn Lynch would hurt Seattle big time if he were gone. Uh, the year Julio Jones went down, the Falcons couldn't do anything. Well, we can do defensive players, right? Yep. And J.J. Watt is kind of the obvious. Here's the weird thing: they went two and fourteen with him once. But what they're gonna that's they're not gonna not win seven no. games or something? I mean, that's it's like because Matt Schaub was throwing a pick six every other time he dropped back. I'm just saying he's the best player in the league, in my opinion. Uh, non-quarterback. How about so we'll throw this one out, Wes? Got to be a candidate here, Wes. You'll like this one, Odell Beckham. Of course. We talked about this in the newsroom today. Greg was shocked that I thought that outside of J.J. Watt, Odell Beckham is the best non-quarterback in the NFL. All right, next up, this is the from – Statement. Uh, I don't know how you can get better than unstoppable. <laughs> At Rulers Philly. By the way, one thing with Odell, he's got the sore hamstring now. One thing to keep an eye on is his health. Can he stay healthy? I would bring him back in week five every season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, this is from At Rulers Philly. What Eagles uh, wide receiver do you think will have the most receiving yards this year? All right, here's uh, the depth chart. As a reminder, Jordan Matthews, uh, Nelson Aguilar, their first-round pick, Josh Huff, John Harris. You want to get excited about him? Miles Austin. Riley Cooper's in there. You can Riley throw, Cooper. You can throw in Zach Ertz. I mean, why not? It says receiver. He's a, re- he's a receiver. I, I think it's Jordan Matthews easily. I'd agree with Matthews. I mean, I – Maybe maybe Aguilar what do you have, has like a dark horse, but that's tough as for a rookie. rookie last year. Yep, he was around. 900, I think he'd do better this year. I think they're going to move him around. I like Aguilar. I th- I think he might lead all rookie receivers in yards. In have that, you in, ever seen him play? I they've been watching him at OTAs, <laughs> moving nicely, getting this some is good this buzz. year's Bishop Sankey. No, I I like <laughs> everything Tom I've Savage. read and all the things. That's exactly how what you're saying about the, Bishop Sankey. The characteristics last year. of him. He's certainly much more highly thought of than Jordan Matthews was coming out of college. I think he's got more of a, a bigger skill set from all account, by all accounts. And They're going to run the situation. ball. Aguilar. <laughs> all right. What, you Talk can't have an opinion on a rookie? You, uh, you, you were t- telling me how great the Panthers wide receivers were the other day because of Devin Funchess, who's a 4-7, you know, 200. Oh, Actually, I, I didn't say because of Devin Funchess. You said he was one of the – he was in the You pick. think Kevin Benjamin's not very good. That all was right, what our scientists. debate was. All right. Moving on, Caleb Searly, uh, at K underscore Searly 87. Mark, that probably means he was born in 1987. Yeah, or he's an older person that committed a heinous crime in 87 and has been on the run since then. Or hiding out. A high school football player plays wide receiver and wears number 87. Mm. All right, so it really could go any direction. (laughs) Uh, What would you consider a success for Marcus Mariota's rookie season with the Tennessee Titans, excuse me, Titans. It's a tough thing to measure. I would measure it by do I want to watch them on Game Rewind on a weekly basis because I haven't wanted to watch the <laughs> Titans in about three or four, maybe five years. I'll throw out some tangible stats. 16 starts, 3,000 yards passing, 400 yards rushing, 20 total touchdowns. Well, I'll I'll go closer to Chris's where it's if you're going to start week one, you stay on your feet and you last 16 games. You don't get benched. You don't get – Hurt in week four, you're dependable. You show you can be that guy, and you improve. I don't really the stats side of it. 
What's I don't 3,000 yards anymore? I mean, that doesn't really – Yeah, I'm, set, well, I'm, that's not setting, even a, a I'm setting a low floor for him. Play yeah. wire to wire and give that team some hope. I, I think that's pretty much mine exactly Mine would be to see if Chris Wesseling likes to watch him on Game Rewind. <laughs> I'm you glad go. you're invested. Uh, Ken Wisenhunt, if he's if he's still the Titans coach next year, that would probably be a good sign. He won't be. Uh, this one from David Ely, uh, our downstairs news editor, trusted news editor. Uh, his Twitter game, a little up and down, can be honest with you. Uh, but in this case, good mailbag question. What's more believable, Emma Stone as a Hawaiian or the plot of San Andreas? Mm. Now, Wes, I'll fill you in. I don't know if you're I up to date on summer why movies. I Emma Stone a Hawaiian. Emma Stone is in, and Mark, you have good insight on this. You saw the film Aloha, the new Cameron Crowe vehicle. Uh, she she plays a quarter Hawaiian woman, and it's come under fire in the internet because she's the whitest girl alive, just about. And uh, military Ad- people have babies on in Hawaii all the time. That's true. I mean, Mark, your take. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you, the answer that someone question. can be Hawaiian, right? And you're you're looking more, or Ely is looking more from a ethnic. Right. Standpoint. What's more well, believable? The answer. Well, the question is, what's more believable? The plot of San Andreas. I don't really well, considering that. that the plot of San Andreas is native Hawaiian, I should say it was the plot of San Andreas is impossible. The, we, California cannot have an earthquake of the magnitude that is the plot. For Wes San is correct. That is the right answer. Plus, you never know. I've got two uh, two children right now. They're both half Japanese. One of them looks like he's half Japanese. My son right now just looks like a white guy. Like you wouldn't know. He looks like a white. Looks like a, <laughs> a young one. Yeah, guy. so I'm going Stone, more re- more realistic. Yeah. Are you offended, Greg, that they would hire the cast Emma Stone instead of, let's say, Olivia Munn? I don't know much about this uh, okay. topic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we keep moving, Ely. I don't know. Bit of a uh, batting pa- a batting practice fastball. Not a lot of zing there. This from Bobby Wilcox at Bobby Wilcox. Uh, oh yeah, this one bothered me a little bit. Uh, speaking of tropes, why don't QBs why don't QBs sign team friendly contracts to help win Super Bowls? Brady has four rings. The only recent uh, mega money quarterback to win the Super Bowl is Eli. Uh, everybody's got to calm down about the Tom Brady thing. He made more money when they restructured it, and it's all in the first three years. And Tommy Boy did just okay. They cooked the books. And that's it. But it made it look like he took a lot less money. Come on, let's he, be fair. No, that's well, not entirely true. Peyton Manning gets buried, and they're, Tom they're, Brady it's all did business. help the salary cap. Okay, but did he still take home Which more money than he's supposed to? In the point in of initial years, but the final years of his contract are wildly low. This he got a lot of credit. But they're going to redo the contract if he keeps playing. That's probably well. How about this? Every quarterback that's worth their salt is taking a team-friendly deal because you look at what players are getting paid in baseball. Some schmo hitting 210 is making more than Tom Brady. <laughs> that's, so that's true. it's ridiculous. All right. quarterbacks are underpaid. I think the answer is that because nobody wants to take more money for doing their job well or less money for doing their job well. Everybody wants to make what they can. And you have a support system around you of managers, agents. No, you, you can't right. be a renegade and then take a I massive pay cut. I don't like that question because it always seems to go back to a dig on Peyton Manning, and I've always found that to be unfair because it, it, he has not cost – the Broncos a chance to win the Super Bowl. He has made that a organization of a ton of money. And that public pressure from it might have ended up helping the Broncos make him take that pay cut. To me, that's one of the more underrated, surprising stories of this entire offseason that Manning took a pretty large pay Don't cut. Uh, underestimate the union in this, too. They do not like stars taking less money mm-hmm. because it, it upsets the pay scale for the other players. Uh, this from Patrick Cordyback, the Cordyback. I like that. More ridiculous, Gil Brandt's Cam Newton, Aaron Rodgers comparison. Oh, that's not nice. Or Peter King's power rankings. And uh, <sighs> right, let's, <laughs> let's unpack this a little bit. Uh, Gil Brandt, who is, you know, the pod father, uh, said that. Uh, <laughs> like, what did I say? I, I can't concentrate. Sully's like Godfather. cracking up. That's great. That it's great. Sean, you know, having Sean back there, we got someone that actually listens it's to like the show. It's like an actual dance party. It's a live there. studio audience. He's been no, cracking I, up the whole time. Uh, yeah. No, it's, I'm serious. Dan's been cracking me up the whole show. He, he went oh, to good. MVP. MVP. Oh, there, there we go. Already. But, uh, it's already settled. But, but I will say. What is that about? Little, it's little. It's the little comments that you you throw behind. The, oh your, well, thanks. Your, your intro, Sully. I love you. But I yeah. gotta say that the only person that can have the MVP is TD. Yeah, that, I I yeah. admitted on Twitter. Yeah. That I have an asterisk next to <laughs> all my. Oh okay. Oh, because yeah. then TD said on Twitter that he doesn't even accept he that you were saying the asterisk. 
Oh, well, yeah, that's well, a little Well, if you're tricky, giving it to tricky. Dan, I agree with TD. <laughs> <laughs> <The heck? laughs> anyway, Gil Brandt said that uh, if you put Cam Newton in the Green Bay offense, uh, what was it, they wouldn't skip a beat? Was that what is along Something along of? those lines. And uh, Peter King had the Vikings, I believe, uh, number six in his power rankings to start the, the Chiefs season. number four. And the Chiefs at number four. And uh, the Jaguars at two. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not true, but it, is, it it was a pretty wild list. What's more ridiculous? Well, Gil Brandt, who uh, knows. Greg's squirming in his seat. I don't know why. We're just talking you know, opinion over here. Gil Brandt, who I'm knows squirming. more about football than, you know, maybe the four of us will ever know combined. He's the godfather. He made the point that Cam Newton's accuracy problems are overblown, and it's, it's usually the surrounding talent around him that's more of the problem, which I think is just patently untrue. I mean, if you watch him, he's got a scattershot arm. It's very inconsistent. Uh, on the other hand, Peter King's list, I mean, I'm surprised he put his name on that thing. Oh, stop. It's, it's, this is an easy one. <laughs> the Gill comment to me is insane. The Packers would be so much – Wild, and I'm a huge Cam Newton fan, so much wildly worse. Whereas, at least in Peter King's case, the NFL is a topsy-turvy, unpredictable league every year. Chris Wessling, the two of us sometimes go after all the writers for just being sheep and picking the same teams year after year, and here's someone in a big spot that has a very original take. So, you know, we shouldn't totally Peter King's it. record on analysis over the last decade. You know what I'm saying. Well, but I would, I'll, I would say that King's is less zany in the sense that exactly. it hasn't happened yet. And last year when we were doing our rankings, out of his chair, well, we all had the Cowboys in the in the bottom five. Most of us, if I'm not, we had all the Cowboys buried, buried low. Some people had the Redskins winning the division. We had nutty stuff going on, and we were wrong on a ton of things. We were right on some. So he's swinging for the fences, and you know what he did? Here's where he, here's where he's smart. He did something that was so bizarre compared to the other lists that people are talking about it. I don't like when Mark points at me. It gets scary. I was going he has like long this. I was like an air traffic controller. I was going like this. I'll but tell I, just, you what. I mean, Gil's thing. I wouldn't. I don't. I don't agree with either of them. But Gil's right. been around. Two more. Good two question more. by the quarterback. Yeah, I like yeah. that. A couple of good questions. Uh, it started out a little weird because Greg was clearly uncomfortable, and I don't know why, but well, everything straightened out. Gil Brandt is the godfather. Yeah. With all due respect, there was all respect to Gil on, on Greg it. Greg and Emma Stone have passed. <laughs> Some ties. Let's just go there. Uh, this works. room, uh, Saul or Saul, Saul Moran at Fitz958. That's really all over the map. Uh, <laughs> most scarce position in this year's draft that I should prioritize. Now, this is a fantasy question, and I, I will say we'll do it again come August, our fantasy uh, football spectacular. Because, we might do it two this year. All right, why not? Wow. Because we got Chris Wessling and Greg Rosenthal. <laughs> All right, I'll take those days off. I don't no, think anybody's going to listen to me after I <laughs> bagged on Emmanuel uh, Sanders last, last listen, week. Listen, don't let anybody know that. But these <laughs> two guys were really powerhouses of the old uh, Roto World site, and uh, you know, so we got to take advantage of it. So that will be coming up in August. But for now, let's answer this question: most scarce position in this year's draft that I should prioritize from Salar Moran, who is also Fitzy. Mm. I'm I'm quickly <laughs> I'm quickly checking. But it, it's got to be running back, as always. Well, last year it was tight end. But tight end, it's like, how can it position? It was only Jimmy Graham, really, because Gronk was coming back from the ACL. He wasn't moving yet in training camp. But this year. And then dumbasses like myself prioritize Jordan Reed and get banged. <laughs> how scarce can tight end be when, I don't know. I guess, I guess if there's one or two, then then basically you're fine if you just have one of the other guys that are just okay. I haven't studied at all, so I'd be speaking out of my ass to try to answer this question. All right, but in August you will be ready. Sure, if you tell me to be. Oh, yeah. I speak out of my ass. I can't wait time. for that show. Running back. What a fun show. Not uh, a lot of 300 carry guys. And finally, this from Richard Hunter. And uh, his, his handle is not that Hunter. Is there another Richard Hunter that's very famous? Doesn't matter. Uh, which concert <laughs> would you rather go to? Delaware's comeback performance. <laughs> Delaware, of course, Greg's former goth uh, emo band Not a goth in New England. <laughs> or Clipboard Jesus's acoustic guitar, guitar debut. That is Charlie Whitehurst, uh, of course. This one's easy. Uh, what do you think, Greg? Clipboard Jesus can only play glycerine and pink houses. Why do I want to see that? <laughs> I'd much rather see Delaware. I don't know what kind of concert you're drawing in for Delaware. Like how many... Tens or just hundreds assume, of people. Just assume but it's a, a, a very uh, private club gig, intimate very setting. intimate setting. Assuming that, that the they're going to play what, like the early 90, 
mid-90 goth selection that Greg wrote four or five of those songs, and it would be a look into who he was back then, I'd have to go Delaware. Yeah, I think that's the easy answer here, just to see Greg and to be able to make fun of him. I'll tell you what, I, you know, I'm crazy. I went to three U2 shows in the last week. They're my favorite band, but I would give up the chance to see Bono ever, ever again, to see Greg on a stage <laughs> with his other little Massachusetts friends belting out some love song. <laughs> Little Massachusetts. Why do you assume they're little? There's no love songs. There's no goth songs. What are they, like political songs? Was it like Morrissey? More like goofball songs. Oh. Were you more like Weird Al? More like maybe like They Might Be Giants or something. Hmm. Well, we like the idea that it's a goth band, so it is. Yeah. That's the most important thing. Birdcaging Your Soul, is that what they might be? Yeah. Yeah. Anna and G. I thought you were like a classic navel gazer in terms of the, uh, or is it shoegazer? Shoegaze. <laughs> <laughs> no. We're like, uh, yeah, mix, mix between them and the Dead Milkman, I would say, maybe. All right. Listen, we got to see this. <laughs> Wasn't that a skateboarder's band? I don't know. I'm just making Finally, if wow. anyone, if you're listening right now and you were involved with that band or you have any footage, audio, or video, or otherwise. The one guy reached out to me. I dropped this. the ball. Yeah, let's get in touch with him. Well, stop holding out on us. All right, that's it for today's show. We'll be back, I think. Are we doing three shows next week? Let's try to do three shows next week. But we might do two. You're going to get some shows either way. That's all we can promise. Uh, And we'll talk more football. Uh, This is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss. Ayo, Sully. Ayo. Behind the glass. And McGinnis, the Irishman. Until next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind. So you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.